Welcome to the Nimrod Outdoors podcast, where we challenge and equip men, husbands, and fathers to become the spiritual leaders of the home. Let's dive right in. Guys, this is Chelsea with Nimrod Outdoors. Thank you so much for tuning in. And hey, we are so thankful for our sponsors. Because of them, we are given the opportunity to invite men to participate in our retreat weekends, make this podcast, provide respite care for pastors and missionaries, and do speaking engagements. For every new sponsor that supports us for just $20 a month, we get to take another step forward in sharing the gospel and changing lives one family at a time. So thank you. If you're interested in becoming a Nimrod Outdoors monthly sponsor, please visit nimrodoutdoors.com backslash give. Hey, we hope you enjoy this episode. Well, what's going on, guys? This is M.A. Dozer with another Nimrod Outdoors podcast. And uh, what I'm going to be talking about today is actually going to turn into about probably a three-part series. Um, And I'm really excited about it. It's something I've wanted to do from the beginning. um, But I wanted to get on into some podcasts, get a foundation for uh, our podcast ministry here before I dove into it. Um, But it is what I want to talk about is kind of the mantra of our ministry. um, And uh, it's something I end every podcast episode with it is on our t-shirts um, and it is the saying stay humble stay focused and keep pressing um, and there's meaning behind that and I, I wanted to dive into that I wanted to dive into each one of them individually um, but in my own life uh, I, I got this mantra uh, from the story of David and Goliath um, and I think it has so much impact in into the lives of us as men and who we are called to be as spiritual leaders. And so we're going to dive into um, David and Goliath's story um, and really just see how God used David um, and how David stayed humble and how he stayed focused and how he kept pressing forward um, through the battles, uh, through his own life, but really the battles of just Goliath and the giant that was in front of him. And every day as men, we have giants that we face. Um, and so I hope that as we dive into this story, um, it gives us some spiritual encouragement um, and also gives us some perspective on uh, not only uh, how we're supposed to fight, but um, the posture in which we fight these spiritual wars that go on every day in our lives. And so today, uh, I really want to dive into the humility side of this, stay humble. Um, and uh, like I said, we're going to dive into uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17 and really get into the story of David and Goliath. Um, but humility is something that our culture, uh, especially us as men, uh, we don't like that word. That's something we don't like to acknowledge. Humility in our culture today does not seem to be a manly attribute, um, But in reality, if we are called believers in Christ and we are called to follow after Jesus, uh, humility is a major thing. Um, Jesus himself displayed humility in a major way. We'll get into that. Um, But, you know, Micah, humility is throughout all all the scripture. And Micah 6, 8 says to act justly and walk humbly with your God. Second Chronicles 7, 14 says, if my people who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their evil ways. I will, uh, I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. Uh, Psalms 194.4 says, For the Lord takes pleasure in the people he adorns the humble with salvation. And Isaiah 66.2 says, 
all these things my hand has made, and so all these things came to be, declares the Lord. But this is the one whom I look, he who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. And so even even through the Old Testament and New Testament, humility is a major part of our walk with Christ. Um, and really for us to uh, surrender ourselves to the Lordship of Christ takes ultimate humility. We are, we are taking our lives and we are surrendering it fully to the leadership of Christ. And, and that takes a humbling uh, attitude in, in our lives. Um, and I think in the flesh, every one of us as men wrestle with this on a moment-by-moment basis. Because as men, because we are created in the image of God and because we are created as providers and protectors, humility is not something that that just comes naturally. I think our flesh wants to fight against that. And um, we want to be, I know for me personally, like I want to be right all the time. I hate being wrong. Um, And when I'm wrong, uh, it takes a lot of um, humility on my part to admit that I'm wrong. Um, And I see even in the ministry world, humility is something that is lacking. Um, This isn't a dig necessarily on pastors or people in ministry, but just in the American culture today, I do not see humility being displayed very openly in the ministry worlds with pastors. Um, I see um, very much egotistical uh, attitudes being displayed and pushed forward. And and I think, you know, even in our own lives, social media plays a big factor in that. Um, Social media has completely revolutionized our society and our culture and where it's always about Look at me. Look at what I'm doing. Look, look at how much better I am than you. Um, and then even on the flip side, we look at social media and uh, we get the the devil knocks us down and tells us that we're not good enough and we need to be better. Um, but if we truly humble ourselves and we we truly acknowledge that Jesus is Lord and we truly surrender our lives to His leadership, um, humility opens the door for an amazing gift in the fact of that uh, God and Jesus leads our life. And so therefore, uh, we can go up against any battle that comes against us as long as we stay humble. And we see this uh, again in 1 Samuel chapter 17 with the story of David and Goliath. And I'm going to kind of get it start in the middle of it. Um, but in starting in verse, uh, let's say, let's start verse 38. Um, it says, Then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped his sword over his armor. He tried in vain to go, for he had not tested them. And then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. So David put, off, put them off. Then he took the staff in his hand, and he chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. And the Philistine moved forward and came near to David with his shield-bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he was disdained in him, for he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with these sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come at Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. And then David said to the Philistine, and let's pause here because what David says next is an ultimate act of humility um, and just an awesome response. And he says this, it says, 
David said, you come at me with a sword and a spear and with a javelin, but I come at you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down, and I will cut off your head, and I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God of Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with a sword and a spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. Into our hand. So here's the deal. What I find awesome about this is we all have heard the story about David and Goliath, right? Ever since we were youth. Um, but as men, men, this is not just some Sunday school story. I mean, like, you know, I, I reread this and like, I'm like, man, they didn't teach this in Sunday school. But, you know, this is talking about like the Philistine Goliath is like, I'm going to give your, your flesh to the birds. And David comes back and he says, you know what? You come at me with, with a sword and javelin, but I come at you in the name of the Lord's army. And he says, I will cut off your head. I will give the, the dead of the Philistines to, um, to the birds of the air. I mean, this is like, this is a true war story. This is not like your typical Sunday school story of like David versus Goliath slung some stones. No, I mean it like this is, this is war. Um, but what I find awesome is that David knew from the very beginning that it wasn't about him, that this was not a fight that was David versus Goliath, that the victory was found solely in, in Jesus or in Christ. David could do nothing of his own accord. It, it was only by God that David was going to defeat Goliath. And what David showed in humility was he says right here, he says, and that in verse 47, he says, and that this, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with a sword and a spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. See, David went forward with humility, knowing that the only, the only ability of success, the only way that victory was going to be found was through the Lord. And it says that he, he even says, he says, the Lord will give you into my hand, into our hand. He doesn't say anything that he does. Now, yes, he had to pick up stones and yes, he slung stones. But at the end of the day, you know, what David is saying here is, especially in our own spiritual battles, like, man, I, I wrestle all the time in spiritual battles and I try and fix it and I try and do this and I try and do that and I try and do this. And in reality, do I actually take time to go to the Lord and be like, Lord, th this battle can only be won through you and by you. And so tell me what I need to do to move forward, to get to, to basically defeat this foe that is in front of me and to have victory in this spiritual battle. And what this story tells me and what David shows here is that, um, you know, first of all, David goes forward with confidence. Not in his necessarily his own ability, but he goes forward in confidence in the Lord. Um, and it says, this day the Lord will deliver you in my hand. Um, you know, not once did David show pride in the fact of, you know, he's, he didn't say, let me show you what I can do or anything like that. And what I also found interesting is, you know, when David showed up to the battlefield, um, it, it says that, uh, you know, basically he was wondering why no one else had stood up. To Goliath, why had no one else stood up to this uh, this great um, beast of a man that was coming against them? And 
uh, in verse 24, it says, all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were much afraid. And so when this giant stood up before the army of Israel, the men were afraid and they fled. They, they said, we can't defeat this man. They were fearing for their lives. Basically, David said, and David said to the men who stood by him, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? And so David is saying, like, what, who is this guy? that has come and is standing against, against the armies of the living God. And David said in verse 26, he says, For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? So see, even though every man there was afraid of Goliath physically, what David saw right off the bat, even as a young, as a young boy, was, no, he's not coming against me physically. He is coming against the kingdom of Christ. He is defying the armies of the living God. And David wasn't going to stand on that. He knew that somebody had to stand and, and, and basically say, I, I am not going to stand for this. But at the end of the day, in David's simple obedience, he also realized that humbly, that it was not about what he could do. It was all about what God could do and what God could do through him. And so you know, again, our culture does not like humility. Our culture, you know, sits there and wants to say, look what I can do. Um, you know, I know in my own life, there's, there's been multiple times in which pride has overtaken me um, and pride has caused um, me to do things that I shouldn't do or hold on to things I shouldn't hold on to. And, you know, there, there's, a, there's a saying that just comes to mind and it says, pride is the noose that suffocates the gospel, while humility is the cross that leads to salvation. And so if, we're, if, we, if we have pride in our hearts and we go forward and, and maybe we're in ministry or maybe we're just, um, you know, just going out and doing our daily lives of, of trying to share the gospel and, and trying to go make disciples. Well, here's the thing. I think a lot of times we can get caught up into how good we're doing or what we're doing for the Lord. And, you know, one thing I know about us as men is if we, even if we humble ourselves a little bit, the minute we have any form of success in our lives, you know, we start puffing up our chest and we start saying, oh, look what I did. Look what I could do. Um, and we, we like shed off, all of a sudden we shed off this humility of like, hey, victory came from the Lord. And we, we start looking at other people. We start posting on social media or we start, you know, saying like, look how good I am. Look how uh, righteous I am. And, and, you know, that turns into self-righteousness. And I know you know somebody in, their li- in your life that um, they, they may say they know the Lord and they may say they follow after the Lord. But when it comes to grace um, and giving people... Um, just an ability to love on people no matter what. Um, they have a hard time with that, and that that reverts back to pride in their own life of, you know, look at me, look at how good I am doing for God, look at what I'm doing for God. And in reality, we do nothing for God. God doesn't need us. God, God blesses us with the ability to be used for Him and by Him. Um, but He doesn't need us. And I think that's one thing we need to understand as men. If we're going to spiritually lead our family— um, we need to understand how to humble ourselves before our family and before the Lord and say, I don't have all the answers. I don't know what what the right answer is in this situation or that situation, but I am going to humble myself to the Lord. I'm going to dive into Scripture, and I'm going to say, hey, 
Lord, what do you want from me and what, it, what can I do? And I think as men, that is hard because we are constantly wanting to fix things and, and we want to be productive and we want to move forward. We have a hard time. I know personally, I have a hard time with sitting still um, and just saying, all right, Lord, I'm, I'm going to let this roll out. Um, or if we see a problem, instead of just um, sitting in that problem, uh, we are running around like crazy trying to fix the problem and, and trying to say, look, look, I can fix this or I can fix that or I could do this or I could do that. Um, and in reality, we, we don't even give God an opportunity to do what God has told us he'll do. Um, you know, Jer- Jeremiah 30 um, or Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Um, and so if, if he has plans for us, why are we not taking the time to sit at his feet and say, all right, what are those plans? When in reality, me as a man and as a husband, um, so often I sit here and I say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to do it my way. Um, and uh, I mean, guys, there, there's stories. I mean, there's like societal like things in our culture that talk about how men are prideful. Uh, I mean, you know, a man doesn't ask for directions. A man doesn't do this. A man doesn't do that. Um, you know, a man doesn't tell his kids he loves them, uh, you know, verbally. You know, how many times are we going to allow the devil to inf- infiltrate our lives and make us basically hardened to the truth of the gospel because of our pride, when in reality, humility is what flourishes the kingdom of Christ. Um, And I just think it's something that we need to start looking into. It's something that, I mean, look, here's what I find awesome, is that it says that Jesus humbled himself for us even till death on the cross. And one thing I found interesting as I was preparing for this, and I read read through it again, um, is it said in verse 50, well, let's start in verse 48. It says, when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in the bag and took out the stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and fell onto his face on the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and stuck the Philistine and struck the Philistine and killed him. And then it says, there was no sword in the hand of David. Then David ran over, stood over the Philistine, and took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. And it says, when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. So what I find interesting here is if you really dive into it, and starting in verse 50, it says, so David prevailed over the Philistine, and it said that David had no sword. Well, what's interesting as you go back is, you know, what did David say? He goes, I want people to know that the battle is the Lord's and he will give you in my hand. And it says in that in verse 47, it says, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with a sword. And so here's the thing in verse 50, it comes back and it's like reiterating that, that like, Hey, God didn't, you know, David didn't do this because he had a sword or he was, he was an equipped warrior. He did it because he came at Goliath in the army in the name of the armies of the Lord. And then what I also find interesting is, is that what ultimately killed Goliath? Goliath was killed by his own sword. So Goliath's own instrument of destruction is what ended up ending his life. And if you correlate back that back to Christ and you correlate that back to Jesus' dying on the cross, what I find so interesting is that Jesus defeated death, hell, and the grave on the instrument that the devil intended to end 
Jesus' life, and that was the cross. See, Jesus didn't come, come to the cross kicking and fighting and spitting and scratching and taking his jabs at his enemies. No, he humbled himself to the cross and then ultimately used the cross to defeat the devil and, and harness the power of God. And he, what does it say in Revelation? It says he come out holding the keys of death, hell, and the grave, and he holds our salvation. And so the instrument of destruction of the devil was the cross, and Jesus ultimately used that to defeat him. Just as David here did not come at Goliath with a sword, but ultimately the sword of Goliath is what brought on his own destruction and his own death. And I just found that really interesting to to see that um, the correlation between uh, David and Goliath and Jesus and the devil and, and how Jesus secured our salvation was even the tool, even what we see as a tool of destruction, God can take it and reuse it to defeat the enemies that stand in front of us. But what we have to do is we have to humble ourselves and we have to stand fully in the salvation and security of the Lord and, and know that the victory is won solely because of Jesus and what he has done for us and that just our simple obedience is what initiates that. But men, as, as, as you go out um, and as you start living your life and as you start leading your families and as you start spiritually pouring into them, there are going to be times where you are going to be humbled. Um, I know there's multiple times where my kids humble me um, and they, they make me be- a better man as long as I sit here and acknowledge, um, you know, that moving through this life and leading my family cannot be done successfully unless I humble myself to the leadership of Jesus Christ. And so as you go out, let, let's remain humble. Let's look at what humility is um, and let, let's humble ourselves to the authority and leadership of Christ so that he can go before us and that when these battles come toward us, we could be just like David. And it says that the whole world may know that we did not defeat this foe by our own doing, but that it was by the Lord and that the battle is his. And so um, that's going to end kind of part one of stay humble, stay focused and keep pressing. Um, and I can't wait for next week where we dive into uh, stay focused. It is another great one. Um, and so again, Uh, Stay humble, stay focused, and keep pressing, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you would like to learn more about the ministry of Nimrod Outdoors, find us on Facebook or look us up at nimrodoutdoors.com. We hope you have a great day, and we hope to see you next time.